Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for baseball. We've got UFC going on right now. We've got boxing. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as they have you covered for all of your insider sports wagering needs from basketball to hockey, MLB, UFC, and boxing. It is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games that are available to play right from your home. Get into the action today, head to the website, or use your mobile device to join, and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, those were the, the beautiful words and the beautiful voice of at Marcus underscore Mosher. This is the Power Rankings Show, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Podcast, and uh, we're Continuing our defensive players, greatest defensive player series today, because we have determined that the uh, Stefan Diggs story is a story, non-story, story, non-story. A little bit of a little soap opera, right? Yeah. So once we get it, Marcus and I just had a two minute discussion about whether or not we should really talk about it or not. I consider it to be a non-story. We've decided We'll, we'll wait and see on this little guy. We'll, we'll wait and see. And this little guy not being Stefan Diggs, being the story, this little yeah. story. So uh, I get it, though. He's a big star. So people want to people are starved to talk football in June, man. And you educated me uh, before we get to these defensive players. How many people are already doing their fantasy drafts? I have to tell you, I was, I was really shocked at what you told me. Yeah, there's a lot of fantasy drafts going on right now. I actually completed one today when I was on the treadmill. You can just do a draft real quick. Nice 40-minute draft. It, it, it shocked Marcus so much that uh, he just froze on us. Uh, but I was surprised also that how many wide receivers are going in the first round now, and it's because so many leagues have gone to a full-point PPR. And it used to be that standard scoring was not PPR. If, if you don't play fantasy, PPR just means you get one point per reception. And so for a long time, Fantasy leagues didn't play with PPR, so running backs were overinflated. Now, every league, uh, while you were frozen there, I was just explaining to everyone how you were telling me that it's pretty much become standard now that uh, leagues are full-point PPR. Mm -hmm. So you catch – Marcus, you made the best point ever yesterday. You catch a negative eight-yard pass, like one of those screen passes that just goes awry and somebody knifes through and tackles you. You still get more points than a one-yard run. (laughs) On fourth it's, and one, uh, when you just need one yard to, to get a first so, down, right? It is right, dumb. PPR is dumb. Some, yeah, some leagues are giving points for first downs now. Um, but points anyway, I was, yeah. But when, so just give me real quick, what's the consensus top five right now in fantasy? Uh, right now on under. Man, oh man. We're having connectivity issues. So uh, I know that Justin Jefferson has been like a consensus number one overall pick, which is so odd because 
wide receiver was never where you would go number one. It was always Priest Holmes or Ladanian Tomlinson. And then it was Arian Foster. Might even be Adrian Peterson. I do remember a time when Aaron Rodgers might go number one because he was giving you some rushing touchdowns as well. I was just explaining how running back was always number one. Yes. So it's Justin Jefferson, number one, then who? Then Jamar Chase. I apologize for the internet connection today. Uh, Christian McCaffrey at three. And then it gets into A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb. And then normally Travis Kelsey goes like five or six. Oh, my God. We could do a whole pot on this. We're not going to do it today. But A.J. Brown at four. That is amazing to me. Amazing to me, uh, given where his career was just a couple years ago. Okay, so we're going to continue our greatest defensive players uh, series today. Uh, Marcus did the first eight. And Marcus, if I've got it down right, we had Lawrence Taylor one. Mm -hmm. We had Reggie White two. You had Aaron Donald three. Ronnie Lott four, former safety. Bob Lilly was kind of your old timer on the list. 1960s, early 70s defensive tackle at five. Uh, Then you had, I believe it was Rod, Dion, and Ed Reed. Correct. Is that correct? Yes. Rod Woodson, former corner for what? Steelers, Raiders, Ravens, 49ers. A million teams, right? Yeah. Well, Uh, well, let's see. Dion played for Atlanta, then San Francisco, then Dallas, then Washington, retired, then came back and played for Baltimore. Also played for the Yankees and the Reds. Right. Yeah. One of the weirdest comebacks too. that Ravens comeback after yeah. like a three year layoff. And then, of course, the great Ed Reed, who also his last year, I think he played for Houston and the Jets. Yeah. It was, I, think it was, right? I think it was the Jets first and then Houston. Right. Yeah. Totally weird. Uh, I think yeah. he played for Houston in the playoffs. But so that was our top eight. Then I took over the next uh, eight and I screwed it up. I had Deacon Jones, then uh, Mean Joe Green. I had Dick Knight, Train Lane. These are some old-time players. I had a current player at J.J. Watt at 12, Dick Buckus at 13, Jack Ham, a very underrated all-time great at 14, and then M. Tunnel, a 1950s safety that had 79 interceptions uh, at 16. So that brings us to 17 through 24. I've done my list. Marcus doesn't uh, know my list. Uh, I'm going to start, though. We'll start with 24 and count them down to to 17 here. And uh, at 24, man, I've got Larry Wilson and uh, former safety for the Cardinals. Here's what's so cool. I know you're a big football book reader, okay? Have you ever read uh, Instant Replay by Jerry Kramer? No. It's like Diary. It's one of the most uh, top-selling football books ever written. It's up there with Paper Lion and America's Game. I'm trying to think of a couple others, but those are the big ones. And in the book, he says, I think Larry Wilson might be the best player in the NFL. And it's the Cardinals' safety. First of all, the Cardinals weren't very good. But what Larry Wilson started doing, Marcus, is blitzing as a safety. And no one did that back then. And you could see the groundwork being laid for the Troy Palomalus of the world. How important do you think that is now that a safety has that ability? Oh, you have to, right? Because you've got to be able to to create plays on all three levels. I'm really glad that you brought up Larry Wilson because – when I was making kind of my like top 25 list of guys, he was on it. And I, listen, I even I took notes today. I've got some notes on Larry Wilson. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. It was on the all-decade team in the 60s and 70s. You know how much I care about that. Now, the 70s run was... Oh, man. Marcus's internet is just absolutely destroying us today. Uh, but I already know what he was going to say. Larry Wilson only played until 1972. So how the heck did the guy make all-decade playing... Uh, three years of a decade, but that's how much this guy was respected. And his last, one of his last years, he played Pittsburgh in the early seventies. 
he had two casts on and he won the game with an interception. Yeah. I was just talking about how you're right. In the early 70s, I think Larry Wilson only played to 72. He only yes. played three years. Yes. So, yeah, but go ahead. Please proceed. Uh, we, so we talked about him being on the all-decade teams. Uh, he led the NFL in a different category nine different times. That's Jeez. impressive, right? That, that yeah. means that you're making plays. There was a year that he had 10 interceptions. There was a year that he had five sacks. There was a year that he led the NFL in forced fumbles. All that kind of stuff matters to me. So I'm glad that you put him on the list. Five sacks for a safety in a 14-game season is ridiculous, mm -hmm. uh, especially when they weren't throwing the ball and nobody else was blitzing uh, back then. My next player is another guy kind of like Jack Hand that you'll never hear talked about. His name is Joe Schmidt. Played for the Lions in the 1950s. Everybody that played against him said he pretty much played the middle linebacker position about as good as you could play it. This is a guy that was a first-team All-Pro seven or eight times. 1960, he was named co-MVP of the league. Not Defensive Player of the Year, co-MVP. And on another podcast, I explained how the AP doesn't even remember that they did that. So that's always nice. Uh, but Joe Schmidt, a longtime linebacker. The thing that I think about when I think of Joe Schmidt is how good the Lions were in the 50s, Marcus, and how much I'm hoping <sighs> their first-round choice this year at linebacker helps them get to the playoffs. Any, any chance that this kid could even become an all-pro player. Oh, yeah. Jack Campbell's an awesome player. It's just it comes down to how you value an off-ball linebacker in today's NFL. I think Jack Campbell was easily the best linebacker in this class, and frankly, he was somebody that the Lions needed. So uh, I like this pick. I had Schmidt as one of my top 25 guys as well. So, man, we're on the, we're on the same wavelength here. Yeah, of course, when Joe Schmidt played this position, it was a glamour position in the NFL, uh, just like running back. Middle linebacker was the spot. Uh, number 22, we're going right back to the well. Middle linebacker, this is Mike Singletary. Uh, Mike Singletary, another multi, multi, multi-time first-team All-Pro. Made the Pro Bowl every year from 83 to 91. The only years he missed were his first two years in the league when the Bears stunk and his very last year in the league when he wasn't quite as good, but he was still a really good football player. Uh, Mike Singletary, the linchpin of the 85 Bears, uh, defensive player of the year uh, in 85 and 88. Uh, I, 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 this, is, uh, this was an easy choice for me. We like to talk about some of these older players not being able to fit into the modern game of the NFL mm -hmm. because of the, the size and speed difference. Well, Mike Singletary was maybe six foot, 230 right. pounds, but that's exactly yep. what the NFL is looking for right now, right? Yes. These smaller linebackers that can run from sideline to sideline I have no doubt that he could have played in any era and been an absolutely dominant player. Yeah, and, and now you know why I get so mad about the bigger, faster, stronger, because it's yes. so dumb. It's the dumbest argument in the history of sports. Okay, uh, number 21, I've got a Dallas Cowboy. It's our second Cowboy on the list, and it's the same position, defensive tackle. Well, hold I'm sure on, you can hold guess on. who this is. You're, you're, th you're third Cowboy on the list. You don't consider Dion a Cowboy? I guess. I guess, sure. Uh, who do you think this is? Uh, it's not I don't Michael think Parsons. It's not Michael Parsons. It's not Everson Wallace. How about Demarcus Ware? It is not, sir. It is not. It's a defensive tackle. It is Randy White. Mm, uh, I am sorry. Yeah, the Manster, another multi, multi, multi-time All-Pro. Started at linebacker in '75 and '76, '77. Tom Landry moves him to defensive tackle. He he makes the Pro Bowl his very first year there. Okay, '78. He's first team All-Pro. He was first-team All-Pro every year except for one from 78 to 85. 
He made the Pro Bowl every year from 77 to 85. He's still a great player in 86. In his 12th year, he just had a lot of injury problems. This was a guy that could you could pretty much pencil in for about 10 sacks yep. every year uh, at defensive tackle. He's one of the greatest players ever. And also on the all bicep team. I don't think I've ever seen anybody have bigger biceps than Randy White. So even like I, I saw him a couple of years ago and he just massive arms. But uh, so the, so just to kind of recap, I think you have him as your third best defensive tackle of all time. Is that correct? Well, I got Donald ahead of him. I've got Bob Lilly ahead of him. Uh, even though you did that list, I do too. I have Mean Joe Green ahead of him. Sorry, it's a fourth, uh, right? Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember if I did Merlin Olsen as well. And I don't know. I, I, I mean, Merlin Reggie yeah. White played some defensive tackle, but he wasn't a pure defensive tackle in the sense that right. we're talking about right. here. So I think fourth to fifth defensive tackle is a good spot for Manser. Yeah, great play on YouTube. 1980 against Philadelphia. A uh, receiver named Scott Fitzke catches the ball over the middle. A wide receiver. He gets run down by Randy White about 40 yards down the field. Defensive tackle uh, before his biceps got out of control. All right, uh, number 20, we're going to the uh, cover corner game. This is a guy I really wanted to have higher. It's just so hard. There's so many great names. You don't want to dominate certain positions. Marcus and I were getting heavy on the corners and the pass rushers. Um, so I went to to different spots. But at number 20, I've got Mike Haynes, a former Raider, former Patriot. The Raiders acquired him in 1983. He was having a contract dispute with the Patriots. So he and Lester Hayes manned up Washington's receivers in the Super Bowl that year. Washington had set a scoring record in the NFL that year, excuse me, averaging over 30 points per game. And their receivers darn near got shut out until garbage time. Washington scored nine points when they had been the best scoring team in league history, pretty much, at least in the modern era. And Mike Haynes did it for a really long time. Marcus, he made the all 75 team. Uh, the all 100 team and a 14 year vet, also a great punt returner. Another guy that they took off because the coaches didn't want. We've talked about this a lot. Um, I'm a little surprised you put him ahead of Charles Woodson, to be honest, but I also, I know how much you hate Charles Woodson. So it's fine. I I get it. The Raiders have had a pretty good list of uh, corners throughout their history, right? Between Mike Haynes, Charles Woodson, Lester Hayes, I mean, he's probably as known, well known as these other guys, but yep. I don't think he measures up to these two. But uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, when I was doing some of my research, Mike Haynes had like 19 interceptions in the first three years of his career. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's just an absolute ball hawk. So I, I've got no problem with him inside your top 25. Really dangerous with the ball in his hands. Uh, made all pro his first two full years with the Raiders, first team all pro. Um, Got to mention old man Willie. Uh, Willie Brown was a famous Raiders corner. And also Namdi Asamoah had some oh, years. Gosh, yeah. you know, yeah. The end of his career kind of tainted how dominant he was with the Raiders. Namdi was great. Uh, let's go to number 19 here. Uh, you see the Colts logo. I'm going back to the old, old school. This is from the 50s. This is a guy named Gino Marchetti. Gino Marchetti was considered the best defensive end in pro football in the 1950s and early 60s. Uh, some researchers have gone back and tracked stacks, uh, or excuse me, sacks. They couldn't go to the 50s, but they could go to the 60s. And his 1960 sack numbers are actually really impressive. Uh, Gino Marchetti was pretty much considered, if not the best defensive end, maybe the best defensive lineman in football in the 1950s. Uh, two fun facts on him. First of all, those sack numbers. 
1960 at 33 years old, 11 sacks in 12 games. Marcus, 13 sacks at 34, 12 sacks at 35. At 37, first-team All-Pro, 11 and a half sacks in 14, se- uh, 14 games. My other favorite fun fact is he played for the first Dallas professional franchise, not the Dallas Texans that turned into Kansas City, but the 1952 Dallas Texans, who were so bad that they had to play their second-half home schedule on the road because literally like 700 people came to their games at the Cotton Bowl. But they had two Hall of Famers on their team. That's what's amazing about it. They were awful. So well, there you go. When I first saw that Colts name, you know what? The, the name that came to mind for me was Dwight Franey. I'm like, yeah, is he really going to put Dwight Franey inside the top 25? No, I, no I, I mean, I think you can make an argument that he's a top 25 player. I, I'm, I'm glad that you didn't. Uh, but Gino's not a bad pick either, especially if you want to give a little bit of homage to some of the players that played in the 50s and into the 60s. Yeah, and this is a guy that made the all-time NFL teams. So uh, when I say the the teams, there's an all-50 team, there's an all-75 team, and there was an all-100 team. Uh, and I believe Gino Marchetti is on all three. Actually, uh, now I, I am really curious about that. Usually they have that, like if you go to the awards, we always talk about pro football reference. There's a cool yeah. thing that says awards. And yeah, it's got, he's on the NFL all-100 uh, team that they did in 2019. So uh, pretty cool there. All right, number 18, Pretty easy here. Ray Lewis, he needed to be on the list somewhere. I didn't really know the right place to put him. Uh, like Mike Singletary, a two-time defensive player of the year as an off-the-ball backer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a lot of ways better against the pass than the run later in his career. He could get depth um, early in his career. He made just about every single play. Um, later in his career, I think it was a little more reputation. 100%. But he was so, so dominant. His first eight years in the league, I don't care. Uh, Ray Lewis was a great player. I think this might be the one that people have the most problem with. Uh, Keeping him outside of your top 16 players, I don't know if it's wrong, but I think it's going to be controversial because I think a lot of people view him as the best off-the-ball linebacker ever. And listen, let's read some of his accomplishments. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a 12-time Pro Bowler, a seven-time All-Pro selection, a two-time Super Bowl uh, champion, a one-time Super Bowl MVP. He's on the all-decade team from the 2000s. He's a two-time AP Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, and, and he's got – the stats are just ridiculous. Like, the amount of tackles, the amount of forced fumbles. I think you can make a case that he is the best off-the-ball linebacker to ever play. But I agree with you. I think the reason why I don't have him inside of my top 16 – is because the last two or three and maybe even four years, he was getting by a lot on his reputation because I thought he was a liability at times for Baltimore. I think it's fair to put him higher, quite frankly. I do. Um, I, you know, I don't want to disparage a guy at this level's career at all, you know, so I don't want to focus on that. It's just, you know, it, it, I, it happens. Uh, people, right? There's it lots happens. of players it happens. That, that get you into know? the Pro Bowl based on just reputation, right? Yes. And and Dr. Z was the first one that kind of noticed, you know, against the run and those kinds of things. But again, his first eight years in the league, he was so doggone dominant. He may, I I may, it's hard for me between him and Jack Ham, because I think Jack Ham played a different position, weak side backer, which always gets short shrift, always. And Jack Ham was the the takeaways leader in history at the linebacker position uh, and played for the greatest defense of all time. Um, Ray Lewis played for uh, one great defense, and some good ones, 
I think Pittsburgh was much more consistent in the 70s. Even I know you hate the Steelers. But here's the thing with Ray Lewis. Also. Yeah, here's the other thing with Ray Lewis that has nothing to do with Ray Lewis. To get to our last name here. If I underrated Ray Lewis, I really underrated this next guy. Uh, Bruce Smith is number 17, and I'm going to admit I should have had him higher. Now, granted, I didn't do the first eight names. Marcus did, so I can blame him, at least for part of this. Bruce Smith is the all-time sack leader, but that isn't really what it does for me. That's, you know, there are guys that are compilers. Bruce Smith kept adding on to the sack record. As, as a decent player for Washington, That that's great. But I'm really looking at maybe the first 12 years of his career, which is a huge amount, right? He was so good for so long, and he was so good, it seemed like people wanted to nitpick him. When Tony Baselli had that great game against him for Jacksonville in the playoffs, everyone went crazy, talked about how Bruce Smith got dominated. Bruce Smith was in year 12, you know? Tony Baselli was like 23, you know? Uh, and so I, I really think that I've underrated him. He was the best defensive player in the AFC for the balance of his career. Uh, he and Rod Woodson, I would say, in the AFC. Uh, your thoughts, though, on, on on Bruce Smith? I'm curious. I thought about put him, putting him inside my top 16 as well. Um, but I, I'm going to counter a little bit. I think there, he, there was some compiling in his career. Like, he had a lot of really, really good seasons. But despite being the all-time sack leader, he never led the NFL in sacks one season. Like, he just never had that one year where he was four sacks better than anybody else in the league. And a lot of that can do with, you know, he got doubled a lot, and, it, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And I'm not always a big sack total guy. But if you're going to be, like, the best defensive end or top three defensive end of all time, I want to see, like, a three-year stretch where you were just absolutely unstoppable. And, unfortunately, we just never really got that. That's fair. Um, he was a, he was defensive player of the year twice, though. 86, when the Bills were absolutely awful. He had 15 sacks in the yeah. second year. I mean, he did have 200 sacks for his career. And I'll say the last thing with him. He was the best player on a four-time Super Bowl team. It's fair. Um, I think any Bills player would agree Bruce Smith was the most accomplished player uh, well, on that team. Let's just compare it with another guy that we talked about a little bit, J.J. Watt, who we had, I think you had him, was it 12? 12, 13? yeah. Yeah. I mean, J.J. Watt for a three- or four-year stretch was leading the NFL in sacks and forced fumbles and pass deflections and all those other things on a team that didn't ultimately win Super Bowl, but that was really good at the time, right? So if I'm comparing Bruce Smith to J.J. Watt, the career of Smith is probably better, but I think the peak of J.J. Watt was better. Sure. Yeah, we talk about crescendo a lot. So let me recap real quick our list. I skipped a name, by the way, so I'll make sure to mention that one when I was just doing the rundown. 24 is Larry Wilson. 23 is Joe Schmidt, linebacker for the Lions. Larry Wilson, by the way, is uh, Cardinals safety. Mike Singletary, Bears great middle linebacker at 22. Randy White, 21, defensive tackle. Mike Haynes, the corner at 20. Uh, number 19, Gino Marchetti, a little end around. It was not Dwight Freeney. 18, Ray Lewis, who could have been higher for sure. Bruce Smith, who could have been higher at 17. And then again, uh, at 16, I had M-Tunnel. 15, I forgot. It was Merlin Olson. Uh, 14, I had Jack Ham. 13, Dick Buckus. Uh, 12, J.J. Watt. 11, Dick Knight Train Lane. 10, Mean Joe Green. 9, Deacon Jones. And then Marcus had 8, Ed Reed. 7, Deion Sanders. 6, Rod Woodson. 5, mm -hmm. Bob Lilly. 4, Ronnie Lott. 3, Aaron Donald. 2, Reggie White. And 1 was, of course, the great 
uh, Lawrence Taylor. So that's what we've gotten so far, our top 24 defensive players of all time. But as always, sir, I give you the last word. I just want to know who was number 25 for you. Was it, did you think about putting Von Miller? Did you think about Bingo. putting Darrell Revis? Was, is, was it Von Miller? Von was the last guy I cut. Now, if I, if we do another eight here, I, I, it doesn't mean Von will definitely be 25. Cause when I start actually doing real actual work, sometimes it's a little difficult, but yeah. uh, <laughs> because you realize, Oh yeah, I forgot about this. Or I forgot about that. Like I forgot that Mike Singletary won defensive player of the year twice. Yeah. So, um, but it's a good question. But yes, the last guy I cut was Von Miller off my list. So you have him uh, there behind, you ahead of Darrell Revis. I do. I do. Ahead of and I have him, Yes, I do. Okay. You know I don't necessarily disagree. I'm just I want to see how convicted you are on that. I also have him ahead of Micah and Demarcus. Wow. Uh, yeah, but hey, guess what? If you want to talk about Micah and Demarcus, you know where you can go. Locked on Cowboys, where you, of course, you, the great Marcus Mosher, hosted with Landon McCool. Come on, that was a decent segue. Very Yeah, cheesy, we talk about Micah like decent. every other day, so this is perfect. <laughs> right. And whoever's going to win the backup left guard position. Go ahead and say Chuma it. Chuma Doga, I think, has probably got the best job, but go ahead. Backup right guard. Okay, and then uh, Marcus also covers the Raiders for USA Today. Raiders Wire, he is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I am at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We thank the good people at Believe and at Brinks and Bet Online for sponsoring this podcast. And we will talk to you guys later. Take care, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.